old, old man waves. Damn you, old man! Wade. Uh, so next up, we have my number one female crush, Monet St. Croix. <laughs> I love her. She's just an arrogant fucking ass. But but reading her in the X Factor written by a person who will remain nameless, they talked about how like insecure she really was and how the persona she puts on is an actual act. Because people need to see this part of it. I thought that was actually really dope. And I'm Again, I like strong women, and Monet St. Croix hit the lottery when it comes to powers. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, you think she's too... Oh, well, so, you know, let's go to the next one, because I'm wondering how you feel. How do you feel about Natasha Romanoff being ranked 82 on this list? I'm... I think it's a good spot for her, because, truth be told, I'm not her biggest fan. And outside of the movies, I think, you know, when we were talking about Gambit, um, you mentioned that, you know, he hasn't really had that superhero moment. And I feel like Natasha hasn't either. And I, I'm removing the MCU from the equation here. Yes. Like, she's had some pretty dynamic moments in the comics, but she's also had moments, like, in Secret Empire, where Captain America breaks her neck, and then she's a clone. Ooh. Like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of stupidity has been done with her. I don't disagree at all. Uh, number 81, we have Dream, which is actually The Sandman. That's a damn good book. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's, if you don't like reading, then don't buy it. But if you like reading and you like, <laughs> and you like real like diction and like really deep um, thoughts and just incredible the, the, writing, it's, it's for you. The way I describe Sandman is that it's a Neil Gaiman at his most Neil Gaiman-ness. Like, <laughs> it is the height of his creativity and inherent weirdness, and it's perfect. Yeah. Um, next, we have Deathstroke at 80. I kind of feel like he's too high. I probably could have put him at, <laughs> at 100. But he has such an influence on the assassination game and like making assassins popular over the last oh, yeah. 20 years. So I kind of feel like him at 80 is perfect. It really is, because he's also kind of a niche character. Mm -hmm. uh, number 79, we have Eddie Brock. Not Venom, Eddie Brock. <laughs> I don't like... I didn't like Venom up until a couple of years ago. Donny Cates? Huh? Was it Donny Cates' run? Yes. Because <laughs> I, know, I, I know that run pulled in a lot of people. Again, Javi was like, yo, you need to read this, you need to do something. I'm like, I don't like Venom. I like Eddie Brock. He goes, you'll like this. And I'm like... Okay, fine. I, I, I really do enjoy it. But. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, is that I am just lukewarm enough on Venom that I had a great fucking time with the movie because it was so dumb. Oh, I mean, it, it could have done with less Michelle Williams, but um, I laughed but no. so old and damn hard throughout that movie. I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I just I I love bad movies. Like, if you've been looking at my Twitter feed, I've just been watching a string of awful movies. And I thought it was just, it was perfect in its stupidity. Can I, uh, speaking of stupid movie, my therapist gives me homework, like, um, every week. And among the homework assignments, he told me to watch a movie called Pig. 
with Nicolas Cage. And did you see it? No, but I heard Nicolas Cage. And he was just saying it was the last time he ever watched a movie based on a Rotten Tomatoes review. (laughs) (laughs) And so I can't wait to watch this movie. I, I may, um, I may eat an edible and watch it later. Um, Number seventy-eight. We took a, um, he did a movie a while back, uh, the HP Lovecraft story, The Color Out of Space, which is one of my favorite Lovecraft stories. Is that my wife and I took an edible and we watched that? Woo! I'm, okay, I'm gonna be honest. I'm shocked you'd watch anything with Lovecraft in it. I'm shocked. I, <laughs> I I have a very complicated relationship with HP Lovecraft. I like the. The the horrors that he created, but also he was a truly awful and shockingly racist person, even at the time. Can I like, you, did you watch um, Lovecraft Country? I I keep meaning to, but I am awful at TV. Can I tell you that H.P. Lovecraft was rolling over in his grave every two seconds? Good. It was it was just the it was it was oh God. Jonathan Majors was a Fucking Jonathan Majors and oh, I forget which Smoulier, I forget her first name. Um, Journey. Journey Smoulier were incredible in that. And the woman who played B57 in Loki, they they rocked. Everything about that was great. And, and the HB Lovecraft is probably hating himself for, the, for even that happening. Good. But fuck him and I love it. Uh, number 78, we have Ultra Reed Richards, the maker. I'd stick him a little lower just because, you know, I wasn't. But, you know, I have a hard time breaking away from the... I, I have a harder time breaking away from the biases than you do. Oh, and no, but this is... this. Let's be honest. I try <laughs> to break away from my biases, but my number one is bias. <laughs> <laughs> it just reads bias. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can read it. In, I'm going to read my what I wrote for that person. Uh, number 77, we have Wanda Maximoff. My poor girl. Like, you know that scene in The Godfather after Sonny gets shot up and Don Vito's like, look at what they did to my boy? That's <laughs> me every time I look at Wanda. Like, what did they do to you? Did you read Inverno? Oh, uh, yes. Oh, okay. So, so I'm guessing you didn't like Inverno? It was okay. It was a I mean, the MCU has done a lot of damage to Wanda. I mean, they've removed, like crucial parts of her character because she's Romani Jewish and that plays a huge part into her identity and you know the MCU has removed that entirely I don't like Elizabeth Olsen like as the character I mean I'm sure as a person I have no almost nothing about her as a person other than the fact that she's related to the Olsen twins but Wanda is there's something ethereal about her in the comic books that I feel like the movies did not capture. Did you watch? So you haven't watched WandaVision either? No. I. All right, did you get my text? I, uh, oh, um, James has one. I just need the password for it. Okay, well, it, it, I just, just, because I really feel like that there are a few things about that. Because I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of, of Elizabeth Olsen. I wasn't even a big fan of this of uh, Wanda in the MCU until Endgame, where she put the fucking fear of God into Thanos, and, and like that's how she is 
all the fucking time. I mean, look, House of M is overplayed, but, you know, the scene where she is so disgusted with Magneto that she zots most of the mutants out of existence and completely rebuilds reality. Like, she is terrifyingly powerful, and we shouldn't have had to have wait until 20 seconds in Endgame to see her ready to destroy the fucking universe. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was... I like House of M. I think that it's as a major influence on. It's funny how this House of M was what two thousand eight ish. I think so. It took fourteen years for them to make that right. Yeah. Uh, number seventy six. We have Booster Gold. Thoughts. I love him so much. <laughs> I feel that, like that he almost. Most, I, everything you said has been sincere, but that was the most sincere I've ever heard you. <laughs> I think he's almost in himbo territory, but he's a little too arrogant. But there's something about... He's not arrogant just to be arrogant. Like, he genuinely believes this about himself. You know what's funny? is I don't really think he believes it. I honestly don't think he believes he's as good as he is. Favorite Bruce of Gold moment was him going to the top of the mountain and going, Clark Kent is Superman! <laughs> He's uh he's also in Fifty Two, and I love him in Fifty Two. The Fifty Two pickup series is um where I found out him. I didn't know he was he had been around since the death of Superman. Uh, oh yeah, but um the, the Fifty Two pickup is where I found um Booster Gold, and I've loved him ever since. And especially the whole thing when he basically told the Justice League to go fuck themselves because he knew he needed to. I think it's also one of my favorite uh, Booster Gold moments. It's actually, I want to say it's in Justice League Unlimited, where he saves a bunch of people, and some little boy's like, thanks, Green Lantern, and runs yes. away. <laughs> oh my god, you know what? I got a good one for you. Speaking of that moment, <coughs> I was I was marching at a Pride Parade. This was maybe a decade ago, maybe a little less. And I had on tattered uh, jean shorts. I was painted all green. I had a green tank top on it, like, Drew uh, muscles on the tank top. And this kid goes, Look, mom, it's Shrek. Oh, no. <laughs> and I just looked at the kid and was like, Hey, I'm Shrek. <laughs> and just went along with it. Yes. I was like, I'm not going to break this kid's heart. I'm going to Hulk. I was like, ah, I'm Shrek. <laughs> Whatever. Um, number 75 is too low. I'll admit it now. Tim Drake at 75. I mean,. He doesn't have to be on the list at all. Wow. I'm listening. I, wait, wait, I hold don't. on. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> Is this because he has a stain of Stephanie Brown on him? Well, that that's part of it. But I find him to be... <laughs> well, first off, I think he's painfully boring as a character. Um, second off, I'm annoyed because he's... The literal, like, I feel like in the hands of some writers, he's the literal definition of a Mary Sue, which is the idealized version of the author. And because, like, Tynan's detective run, you know, Tim Drake was his favorite, and you can tell that there was a lot of personal stuff that was put into there. I feel like he's too perfect. He's too good at everything. And especially moving from the flawed character that was Jason Todd, and I will admit, um, so, Jason is my precious son, and I love him. Okay, I was just gonna say, you know how like we, I don't, I don't accept any Jason Todd slander. He is easily my favorite member of the back end. 
oh, um, he's he's my favorite Robin. Like, you know, yeah, Red Hood is Red Hood is cool and all, but he is you my favorite him, Robin. Did you call him Redpool? Yeah, I, I because he, he's him. literally Deadpool with restraint. Yeah, but I find him, you know, young Jason as Robin is the antithesis of Dick Grayson because he was supposed to be. Yeah. And, you know, when they did, you know, when I was talking to my dad and I was trying to figure out why everybody hated Jason Todd, this was, you know, maybe 10 years ago or so. And he just chuckled and went because he wasn't Dick Grayson. And it's, you know, he, he was rough around the edges. He had issues controlling the violence. I mean, this is somebody that Bruce could look at and go, there but by the grace of God goes me, you know? Oh, God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have been saying for the last year that there is a nickel's difference between Bruce Wayne and Jason Todd. The only exactly. difference is upbringing and money. That's it. Hands down, there's no difference between two of them. Oh, yeah. So, but, but, but he's on the list, too. So, number 75, we have Dark Side. Your thoughts? Excuse me, number 74, um, we have Dark Side. He is probably um, one of my favorite comic book villains, just because, you know, Jack Kirby always knew what he was doing. Yeah. And to create something as cosmically powerful and terrifying as Darkseid. And I feel like uh, Morrison in Final Crisis really kind of captured that. Um, but no, um, the Omega Beams, I love them because it's just right angles. <laughs> <clears throat> Just because they're right angles, yeah. Um, numbers. And I, th- I thought the Snyder cut also did him justice as well. That he's just this big leering presence. I will say, just because I love the God of War, like Ares in general, just just because it's just literally the, the, the God of War. Even though Athena is also the God of War, um, but like Ares literally just jumping up and hitting him so hard that he they had to pull yes. him, that they had to pull him off the off the. Um, the battlefield was the one of my favorite parts of that movie. Mm-hmm. You um, know, say what you will about Zack Snyder, that man knows how to choreograph a fight scene. Say it again? Oh yeah, they do. They absolutely know how to choreograph. So Javi said something, and I don't know if I said this to you, and he was pissed off at the original Justice League. I remember he hadn't seen it. And so oh. um, my wife was in Maryland. And so I was like, yo, come over, have a few drinks, you know what I mean? We'll watch the Justice League because he hadn't seen it. And he almost walked out during the original Justice League scene where they were hiding the mother boxes. He was just like, that should have been an entire movie. Yeah. And, oh, God, we saw that, like, what, two or three times? I tried so hard to, like, eh, yay, it was good. And my wife is just looking at me and shaking her head. She's like, no, it wasn't. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. Yeah, like, it was something else. Um, number 73 is a personal favorite of mine. He makes a better hero than a villain. Marco Kane, the juggernaut. It's an awful movie, but I love the line in the last stand where he's like, I'm the juggernaut bitch. You've seen the you've seen the um the little stupid um cartoons, right? Yes. It, it, it was really bad. Don't you know who I am? I'm the juggernaut, bitch. But he Juggernaut, I will what what the hell was that dude's name? He was Awful. Um, was it Chuck Austin? Chuck Dixon? The the awful X Men writer. Oh, um, I think it was God. My my brain always goes to Chuck Dixon. (laughs) Um, but he made Juggernaut 
a hero. He made him sympathetic. He turned him into someone. He made him turned him into an older brother with uh, Samuel Pelé from uh, Canada. And I love that they made Juggernaut softer, emotional. I love that so much. When he was a member of Excalibur, I love that he had this whole thing where um, Nocturne loved him, but Juggernaut loved Dazzler, and it was this whole thing with them. And during World War Hulk, where he had to make a decision on what to do, and he chose villainy to protect the X-Men. And he was yeah. beating the shit out of um out of the Hulk. And the only reason I think he lost that fight is because he got distracted with humanity when um, Charles was like, you're destroying the foundation. He was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And I always loved Juggernaut as a hero more than I have as a villain. Always. I don't think he makes... I, do- I think he's just dumb. He's like, he's the wrecker when he's a villain. Yeah. And I, I, I do prefer his interactions with the X-Men more than I do his, like, Spider-Man stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's... It just doesn't. He's a he's a one note villain, but he's a multiple layered hero. Yes, I like that. Um, you'll probably be, I'm pretty sure you're mad at this. Number seventy two. We have Poison Ivy. This is a travesty. <laughs> Floor is yours. Um, and honestly, there have been a lot of Poison Ivies, and I would argue Pamela Isley being um the most famous of all of them. Because, like, there was, what, Lillian Rose and the Silver Age. Neil Gaiman created um, Pamela Isley. Uh, there have been, I think there have been two or three different Poison Ivies. Um, but, uh, no, she became Pamela Isley, I believe, in the 80s with Neil Gaiman. And my favorite Batman movie is unapologetically Batman and Robin. If they market that movie as a comedy... It does so much better. I watch that movie once or twice a year and laugh my fucking ass off and enjoy but, every minute see, of it. Here's the thing about Batman and Robin. If you look at every comic book movie that's ever been made, it is the single most accurate comic book movie in tone. Because the source material for the 90s comics was the Silver Age. Because that's where the bulk of the content was at the time. And so there is, you know, Joel Schumacher inadvertently did a lot of very Silver Age weirdness. And that's what I like to highlight to people is that, no, read a Silver Age Batman book. That is the 90s Batman movies. And I thought Uma Thurman did such a job, such a great job at capturing, you know, not only the weaponized sex appeal Poison Ivy uses, but the genuine intelligence and um, at times malicious intent. She does not like, I mean... She's earlier poison, uh, earlier Lizley um, iterations when she's like pure villain, which I don't think she works really well as. I mean, she's a mass murdering misandrist. But when you actually look at the complexity of her character, because her goal of, you know, saving the environment and shit, that's objectively not a bad thing. I agree. Her own. I mean, it. Her moment in Arkham Knights where she sacrificed herself at the end of that, that was, that was tough that's to watch. Peak, yeah, that's Peak Poison Ivy. Yeah. Um, if you have not read it, Amy Chu wrote a six-issue miniseries about Poison Ivy. And, you know, we get to see her on her own. Uh, she's a mother at that point. She creates what? little swirling. It, it is a fantastic book. It should have been. A, I'm sorry, I could talk about Poison Ivy all day. 
Um, I'm looking it up now. Poison Ivy, uh, Cycle of Life and Death. Of Life and Death, yes. All right, I have it here. One click buy and purchase. Um, oh God, I'm a, don't get me started on how much I hate this new fucking comicsology, by the way. Um, oh, I haven't, I haven't touched it since. And it pisses me off because I did 90% of my reading on my laptop. And my comic book reading is down. I've actually, I don't know if you saw it, but I'm having a comic book reading on how many comic books I've read a year. And it's gone down since I can't read on my fucking um, laptop anymore. It's just weird and awkward. Yeah. Um, number 71, we have Namor. <laughs> Go on. You sound like you have a lot to say about this. Go ahead. There, There's an inside joke between my wife and I that, you know, Victoria has parents that were hardcore comic geeks. And she married a hardcore comic geek, but she herself is lukewarm on it. She'll, she likes the movies and the TV shows. Doom Patrol is her absolute favorite. But if you put a comic book in front of her, she'll hold it out and go, what do I do with this? Like, Show her sex criminals. And she picks up a lot of my weird comic book knowledge. And, you know, one of my trivia pieces that I like to point out is that Namor came briefly before Aquaman, but Aquaman did Namor better than Namor. And Victoria hates fucking despises the fact that she knows that Namor predates Aquaman. So every time she sees anything with Namor, she glares at me. And when she exposes a random piece of comic book trivia and she tells me about it, she will go, that's some Namor bullshit right there. Fun fact for you. Um, I'm talking about wife stories and comic books. So my wife doesn't necessarily read comic books, but she'll read one when she finds it interesting. So when I was living with uh, my old, one of my best friends, Greg, we were, uh, I had just bought Alias. No, no, no. I bought um, uh, Wolverine Origins. And I was reading, it was an issue where Deadpool drops a piano on Wolverine. And so she picked up Alias and couldn't put the fucking thing down. Like she just loved Jessica Jones. And so there'll be these random moments where she'll say something. She'll go, God damn it. Why do I know this? <laughs> that, that is Victoria through and through. Um, number 70, we have Wolverine, Laura Kinney. Notice I didn't call it. Too low, too high. Far too low, in my opinion. Far too low. Uh, floor I jo- think again, floor's yours. She is one of, I mean, she and Harley Quinn are in very unique positions where they were created for adapted material and then were so beloved by the fan base, they are now mainstays in the comics. Because Laura Kinney, we first saw her in the X-Men Evolution, in the X-Men Evolution cartoon. Where she was brown, mind you. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, she was so beloved in those few appearances. I mean, she's not even... I wouldn't even call her a recurring character. She's just there one minute and gone the next. And she gets this. If you've never read the original X-23 book, it will break your heart. It absolutely will. Um, That was... And Craig Kyle, the guy who created her, like, somebody asked if he was still writing the character, what would he have done? And this hurts my soul because he said, oh, yeah, we would have had her come to terms with her sexuality. I think Laura's gay. And like yeah. I am sitting, I am sitting here raging internally, like throwing shit around the room, going, "God damn it, we were robbed." Her relationship with Hellion was basically just a trope of Logan and Jean Grey. And yeah, thinking about it now retrospectively, it was stupid. Laura, um, sh- there was a, oh, there God, are what? a lot of gay char- Marvel Marvel characters that they just need to come to terms with. Um, like Iceman coming out wasn't shocking to me. I was like, oh, 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I I don't. Oh God, don't get me started on that. Oh, you, did you not like it or? I don't. I mean, there's plenty of comic book evidence for Bobby Drake being queer. I think for his character, taking in everything we know, I think him being bisexual would have been a bit more effective in execution. But Jean Grey rooting around in someone's head and oh, going, yeah, guess what, was... you're gay. That was fury Because, you know, that's, um, that's when I worked a... at the warehouse and we saw the issue and I am resisting the urge to shred the book. And most of the staff in that warehouse was honestly like the majority of the staff was black men and queer women. Like it was a hilarious split. And, you know, all of us were sitting here looking at this book and we're going, oh, my God, this is fucking awful. Like, I've never so that was one of the things I've heard a lot of people talk about, like her like rooting around in like Iceman's brain and how like pissed off they were. And I'm like, I can't be mad at anybody who feels like that because it was it was fucked up. It's yeah. like it and you know, spe- speaking from experience, I was outed. I was forcibly outed against my will, and that uh, I was in middle school, so that went about as well as you could expect in like you know 2005. Um, so I understand all too well the horror and just the existential dread that fills every ounce of you. And, you know, that's what Bobby should have been feeling. Like, because, I mean, they did the whole, ha ha, I'm not gay. And it's just like, no, this is a true invasion of everything. And it is not something Jean Grey would do. Absolutely not. Even young Jean Grey. Can I, okay, so a question for you. Was there any redemption when older Bobby Drake talked to younger Bobby Drake. A little, but I was not fond of the scene of Grace run. Okay. Um, I kind of jumped in and out of that. Um, and again, because this is a this is a community I don't know about, this is why I ask this question, because I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So, I, I mean, f- and there are a lot of people who felt extremely validated by the scene of Grace run, and I am, you know, with my history with Batwoman, I always love when people, when these characters speak to them. And my dis, like my dislike of the book, it, it's it is. I will be the first to tell you, it is a personal thing. Yeah. And um, a lot of people really like liked the character, but I think if we're talking narratively in execution alone, I think um, him being bisexual would have made a bit more sense. It, it would have made a lot more sense. It would have made a lot more sense. But also, I've also heard gay men who have said. They have had sex with women, and like. Oh yeah, I um, mean, I know plenty of I know plenty of gay men who have done that. Uh, what but it, that's why I said for like narrative execution. That makes a lot of sense. I will say one of my favorite Iceman moments came in one of the issues of Marauders, where he was beating the shit out of Fin Fang Foom, <laughs> and he goes, "And I don't come down here disrespecting my Omega le- my Omega ass again, Omega Lemma ass again." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, Iceman talking." That that's pure Bobby Drake. Yeah, um, sixty nine. <laughs> we have Doctor Strange. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, too low, too high. I'd say it's a good fit for him. You know, Doctor Strange is a cool character, but he's not an especially dynamic one. Um, he's in my um, top ten himbos of the uh, Marvel universe. Absolutely, and I do want to say, just for clarification, Doctor Fate would stomp him. No, 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 no. Helmet of Fate. Dr. Fate would stomp him. He only got to do is take the fucking helmet off. <laughs> Fight over. <laughs> but I mean, to take off Dr. Strange's cloak, there goes half of his talent. Well, that's just, a, it, all it does is fly. Don't get, oh, we're not, I'm not, I'm not having this argument. 
I'm not having this argument. <laughs> I will say this, though. Constantine would stomp both of them. Oh, absolutely. And you know who would stomp all three of them? Zatanna. Yeah, she would. She also has to, all she has to say is, do not exist backwards. The fight's over. <laughs> right? Um, number 68, uh, we have Green Arrow. He is my favorite comic book himbo. Um, also, the gajillionaire um, uh, philanthropist, like, morbidly obsessed with social justice to the point where he will reject his own fortune. I love that. Oh, he's easily the best, um, the best, like, um, billionaire in comic books, hands down. It's not even close. I mean, and his character, he's... <sighs> You know, I have issues with the, I don't want to get into it too much, but the subset of people who argue that comics have gotten too, I'm using air quotes again, political in recent years. Oh yeah, truly, recent, recent years has gotten too fucking political. I mean, truly know nothing about Green Arrow. Uh, the TV show absolutely downplayed all of it, because Oliver Queen in the TV show and comic book Oliver Queen are two drastically different characters, it's not even funny. I've, I've watched about four or five episodes of Arrow, so... I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, number 67, we have Black Canary. We're going to fight. All right. Um, she should be like, she should be like number three in my opinion. Uh, also, so question, where does she rate in terms of um, hotness? In hotness? Oh, God damn. Uh, I'd say if we're doing top ten, all of them are DC women because... <laughs> um, I'd put her probably at number four. I like a woman who can kick my ass. Right. Uh, number 66, we have Reed Richards. Eh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on him, but um, my dad really liked the Fantastic Four a lot. What is it thought, uh, where are his thoughts on them now? Oh, sorry. My, my apologies. Didn't think. Oh, good. No, 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 no. You're fine. Yeah. I, I do that all the time. Um, my dad really liked The Thing, because my dad was a really big guy, and the th he always thought The Thing was, was really big and really misunderstood, and he identified very heavily with that. I, I, and... I can't, I can't agree with him fucking enough. And, like, mm -hmm. he's just, like, for that, for as hard as his exterior is, his heart is, like, that much softer. Mm -hmm. and everything that they're doing with him, with, like, the adopted I kids, oh my god. I actually have my dad's uh, cream mains on top of my comic book bookshelf. And Victoria actually found a Thing Pop figure and we have that next to him. That's fucking dope. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, number 65, we have Adam Eve. I think this is a good fit for her. Um, she... My, I think she's the epitome of... You know, a lady superhero who is both powerful in her own right, but possesses the emotional strength of, I'm going to be honest here, a love interest in a superhero book. Because you know, no problem telling Mark to go fuck himself, too. Yeah. I mean, and you can tell she was more developed along the lines of someone like Lois Lane, who I will, I will talk about Lois as the day is long. I'm um, pretty sure you like where she was put, too, by the way. I absolutely did because she is, I mean, you know, she's one of the oldest women in DC Comics. Action Comics number one is her first appearance as well. And she's this is, this is 1938 important. and she slaps a dude for harassing her. So I, it's funny because me and my wife talk about, because she hates the damsel in distress thing. She absolutely fucking hates it. And for the reason she hated the, um, the Justice League movie and, um, because she was just like, I don't like I'm that she keeps me with these I'm saved. so sick of Lois. 
And one of the things I said to her, I was like, the funny thing about it is, that's not her in the comic books. It hasn't been that oh, in decades. Oh, God, no. Um, number 64, Superior Spider-Man. We've talked about that. Number 63, we have Invincible. Honestly, I think he should be, if I was going to redo this article, I'd probably put him at 40. Yeah, I think in terms of indie superheroes have always kind of been hit or miss because what conceptually has the big two not done yet, you know? But I think this was one of those... It, it Invincible really captured that feel of early Spider-Man where, you know, a young man with a heart of gold who just wants to help people. Yeah, I love the fact that, like, they had a crossover in one of um, the Brian K. Vaughn books. Was it Brian K. Vaughn or Odin? Or was it, um... Perhaps. No, it's, um... Fuck, I'm just gonna annoy me. Because there's... I always get it wrong. Um... writer. Robert Kirkman, excuse me. Because Robert Kirkman also wrote uh, Mystique, which I absolutely fucking loved. Mystique was that... Oh. Mystique was that shit! Um... Sorry, so I'm sorry. I'm putting putting things in order. Um, so next up, we have Rogue at sixty-two. I, I I love Rogue. I really do. Um, I always really liked the fact that she was introduced originally as a villain. Yep. And I think the relation the relation i'm using air quotes here that has formed between her and carol danvers throughout the decades i think is indicative of rogue's redemption journey yep. because she knows carol will never forgive her for this and she's made her peace with that but they can be cordial in a room together and rogue still carries that guilt of the fact that she destroyed carol's life and you know kelly sue deconic decided maybe carol gets to do stuff after all but did you um, read, um, are you reading the Kelly Thompson Captain Marvel? I, I've lapsed a lot with my comic book reading. I've kind of burnt out because it's all the same stuff. I'm in a rut right now, so I am reading it, but I am behind. But in the initial volume, she has that thing where Rogue has to do it again. That's why I brought it, brought, brought it back to you. I also love Is, Kelly Thompson called the dude Machismo. <laughs> right I'm, I'm a little hit or miss with Kelly Thompson but I think when you give her the right character like Captain Marvel I think she can do a lot of stuff I agree I I love Kelly Thompson I think she did a fantastic job with Jessica Jones I thought don't she let her. Huh? I don't like the way she writes gay people um, what else has she written um, that's been gay that I know I can't think of anybody else? She has the Marvel problem of there are plenty of gay characters, but they are side characters and they fall in two categories. The lesbian friend who has no personality and the gay best friend. And for a big period there in Marvel, that's all you had. Okay. I mean, um, Patsy Walker had that problem. Um... <sighs> Uh, I hate saying this Unbeatable Wasp had that problem but I will admit Whitley gave them actual personalities but we still have you know queer side characters and I think it's a Marvel thing rather than a creative thing but I feel like Kelly Thompson is incapable of writing them with genuine depth do you think it comes from a I know, I know where, where, the, where, the, um, where the emperors of 
uh, we're the rulers of sidetrack, but <laughs> I need that on a t-shirt. I want I want a penny for every shirt sold. Um, so <laughs> the rulers of sidetrack. Um, but do you think it's because this is my thing? I always because some people say to me like, if you're not black, you shouldn't write black characters, and I disagree. And I always use Brian Michael Bendis as a, as an example for Luke Cage. And I was using him as an example for creating Jessica Jones. So with Kelly Thompson, do you think it's ignorance or do you think it's more of a Marvel, like, hey, we don't want you to do this thing? Because I notice that sometimes with certain queer, and you can correct me if I, with my, um, if my... I don't mind the use of the term. Okay. Um, like with certain queer characters, it seems like, like you said, it's just done wrong. But sometimes I, I don't know if it's a Marvel thing or a writer thing who's just ignorant to something? I think... I think it's probably just a writer thing of not really knowing what to do with the character. I mean, and these are consumer goods, so you have to kind of try and find a middle of the ground if you want this character to be liked. And comic books are by far and away written by straight people for straight people. And I think Kelly Thompson is really good at writing gay characters for straight people. That kind of lovable character who has no flaws that you just want to protect, love, and support. But as a gay reader, you know, I'm kind of flipping through it and I'm like, oh, okay, we're doing another one of these. And unfortunately, the opposite of that problem is you have the gay badass. Like, I will admit, in the hands of certain writers, Batwoman and Midnighter, that they're so cool and they're so unshakable. Whoa, 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 whoa. I will not take any Midnighter slander. That is a bad one. In the hands of certain writers. Yes. Um, I love her to the ends of the earth and back. I've met her in person. She's a wonderful human being. Gail Simone has this problem. Wow. Where okay. she writes characters. And I, I've never said that out loud to anyone but Victoria. But I do think me, she falls into that trap. Say what? Do you want me to edit it out? I, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, because it's not necessarily a critique. It's just, it's the opposite of the barrier gaze trope. And I think she writes that strongly to shift the narrative. Okay. Because there are two writers that write gay people, and I'm convinced that they were gay people in previous lives. Greg Rucka being one of them. That man was an alcoholic lesbian in a former life. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> Batman was an alcoholic lesbian in a former life? Greg Rucka. The writer, Greg Rucka. He was, because he did a lot of uh, work with Renee Montoya. He created Batwoman. Um, like, he wrote Gotham Central. Have you ever read Gotham Central? I have not read Gotham Central. Should that be on my list? Absolutely. It is a, it's about the um, GCPD. But it's a, it deals a lot with the internal corruption of the GCPD, um, the draw between, you know, cops trying to do the right thing, but also trying to have to, you know, do that in the shadow of Batman. Oh, shit. Rucka and, and Brobacker? Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Hold on. And hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me get my Sam Jackson on. Shit, that's all you had to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's probably... I, I, I consider... Um, Gotham Central and 52 to be the greatest books DC has ever published because they break the mold. I mean, Gotham Central, I will warn you now, it will break your heart. And we see Renee Montoya 
deal a lot with um, alcoholism and as a grown ass woman and a woman of color coming out to her um, conservative Catholic parents. And it, it, you know, plot twist, it doesn't go well. And it's about 2003. I was just starting to come to terms with it. And that, that moment terrified me because it is unapologetic. It's, it's not grim, dark realness, but it's grim realness. If that makes any sense. It does. Um, Number 61, we have Barry Allen. I'm not going to lie. I don't like Barry Allen. He bores me. He bores me to fucking death. It, it, like, I as, think a, as a solo character, he fucking annoys me. I don't give a shit about him. But I know he he's, needs I know a, he's important. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Barry just because um, Crisis on Infinite Earths is one of my favorite books. And I think it would have made sense to pass the torch to Wally fully after Barry's death. Yeah. But because comic... <sighs> People don't want new comics. They want the comics they remember as a kid. That's true. And I think that's why we brought Barry back. And granted, I know it's hypocritical for me to say my Kara is Supergirl, and but I don't like Linda. I don't like Peter David. Um, uh, but well, that, I think notice notice I didn't even say his name, right? Yeah, I, um, I just I don't I don't like him. Well, he, but I think you brought up Barry. The whole- the whole thing about him when it comes to the um Maximoffs. Yes. And the shit he said really just fucking turned me off. I was like, wow, you are a giant piece of shit for saying I mean for saying that. Like I can't even believe how fucking awful you are as a human being to I mean, especially to a Romani man's face. Like in response to a question, if I remember the uh, panel correctly, the man was of Romani descent as well. And Peter David said that shit to his face. Like, oof. Well, let's be completely honest about it. Fuck him and fuck where he said it, when he said it. He can suck all the fucking unwanted dicks. Exactly. It's funny. People go, oh, well, suck a dick. I go, no, no, no. Only unwanted ones. <laughs> because you don't you don't get to suck Ryan Reynolds' dick. No, 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 no. You suck <laughs> all the unwanted dicks. Um, What the fuck? I have this shit all fucked. I'm trying to find, because I, I kind of... A bit of a mix up here, and I'm trying to get myself back on track because you know, I'm not even gonna save the fucking numbers, we're just gonna go with it. Uh, we have Sabretooth, my hands down, my favorite comic book villain. I really like him, I think he's at his best when he's being written very genuinely as the anti Wolverine. I, I think. Love- his hero stuff was fantastic, like the uncanny yes. weapon, like he was like uncanny weapon X or the new weapon X. He was great when he was. He was the only good thing that came out of Axis. Axis was the biggest yeah. piece of shit that no one should ever read. It's oh, fucking God. unreadable. And every time I say to myself, eh, "I'll go back and read it," I go, "No, I'm 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 not doing that. Absolutely not." Um. There's also so next up we have. I feel like I did something wrong here. And I, I kind of want... I'm, I want to be in order. Uh, 64, 62, 61. Oh, okay. 59 is Barry Allen. Okay. No, no, wait, wait. 59 is Barry Allen. I, I switched that shit up. I couldn't switch that up. Yeah, 59 is Barry, but I think the numbers just got switched unless 60 was Barry and Sabretooth is 59. Oh, uh, maybe. All right, so uh, number 58 we have... You know, I'm just gonna go with the list that we have. Uh, so 58, we have Cable. Yes, I think he's aptly rated. I think Cable is underrated. I think he's actually going to be the newest person on the Quiet Council. 
Yeah. I, I'm i a little weirded out by, like, young sexy Cable, as we call him in the Comics and Mass Discord. <laughs> Should I be joining a Discord? <laughs> Say what? Should I be joining a Discord? Because I'm always afraid <laughs> of, like, negativity. Can you, like, show me a Discord I mean, where I can, like, talk about comic books and promote my podcast without having to worry about someone dropping the N-bomb? I mean, let me see what I can do, but we've got a Discord group for the writers on our website, and we, we've joked about Sexy Cable before. And so my so Javi loves Young Cable, alright? He loves Young Cable, he thinks Young Cable's better than the Old Cable, and I go, you're bugging, and I'm gonna be honest, Old Cable is sexier than Young Cable. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Old Cable, like, a hundred years old, weathered... Like you He's kind of I mean? got, like, that grizzled silver fox thing going on. Oh, not even that. Okay, I'm going to say this. <laughs> Let me just say, and I've had this conversation a million times. Uh, actually, you know what? There's an episode I did with my um, with my homegirl, and the episode is called Everyone's a Little Queer. <laughs> and I say this as a heterosexual male. Cable probably has big dick energy and probably fucks. Like, I kind of feel like... I'm, undoubtedly. I kind of feel like he fucks in the middle of war. Like bullets are flying over yeah. his head, and he was like, he was just like, he rips his shirt off and goes, teleco- no, telekinetically rips his shirt off and goes, we got 15 seconds to get off, and he gets them off. <laughs> I could, if, you know, if somebody told me that happened on the cable book, I would believe it. Yeah. And all the more because it would piss Rob Liefeld off. <laughs> fuck Rob, Li- Rob Liefeld until he can draw a foot. <laughs> he is just a fuck. All of his guns look like candy bars, too. Oh my god, have you, there's a, um, Cable and Deadpool number four. Cable has this gigantic gun. And in little small print, it's called the Liefeld XS. <laughs> and I laughed so fucking hard when I saw that. I said, wow. <laughs> so uh, number 57, we have Wilson Fisk. I like Kingpin a lot. Um Michael Clark Duncan will always be the best adaptation. I know Vincent D'Onofrio was great, but Michael Clark Duncan chewing on that cigar is peak. Um, yeah. Uh, is, is peak Kingpin for me. It's peak 90s and 80s, 90s, and early 2000s Wilson, Wilson Fisk. Yeah. Uh, number 56, if it was my opinion, he'd be top 10, but Red Hood. Agreed. He is my son, and I love him, and he needs to be protected. I just love that... Um, <laughs> That um, your love for Batwoman and my love for Red Hood, and considering like they have the most, and you know what's funny? It's Red Hood is a whore, but he's not like a sloppy whore. No, like he doesn't he doesn't hit on women who don't want to be hit on. And his relationship with Batwoman is my favorite because they they understand each other. Like, yeah, some people need to yeah. die. <laughs> they're they're the they're the black sheep of the Bat family. Yeah, and it's funny because like you know you being Batwoman, me being Red Hood. Um, at number 55, right. I know how you feel about this, so I'm going to leave the floor to your Number 55 is Batwoman. I think you're mistaken. I think she's number one. But, you know, removing all of my many biases as I look at my um, $800 Batwoman statue, uh, showcase, you know, the people that do the intense lifelike statues. Yeah. They did one for Batwoman, and... Victoria got me the deluxe edition as a combination Christmas anniversary Arbor Day President's Day um, gift, and because we did the monthly payments, and oh, God, this thing was like eight hundred dollars, maybe no, 
500 but the value shot i don't remember how much we paid for it and then like 50 dollars in shipping it okay. weighs about 20 pounds and the base is solid cement <laughs> i have every single one of her printed appearances I have all of them. My Batwoman. I have a comic book box specifically reserved for Batwoman, and it's actually made out of uh, very hard plastic. It's basically a uh, storage tote for comic books, like very thick plastic. Um, I respect the shit out of it. I have a tremendous emotional connection to this character. Um, even when Kate Kane popped up on the CW and, you know, the contentious Ruby Rose. But when she popped up in the Elseworlds crossover, I was watching it live and I broke down in tears. Because this is a character that I have, you know, connected to since her introduction in 52. And, um, you know, she's had a huge impact on my life. And I think she is the great, but removing all of that, I think she serves as a really effective foil for Bruce because they have a common goal, but they differ in how they do it. I'm because her so much in Detective Comics because and she was actually one of the. I did a list of combo characters that you should watch out for this year, and Kate came with one of them because I think that this is the year people people see how good of a leader she is. Oh yeah. If you I mean, get in detective comic books, you definitely going to get it this year. I mean, and she was um she was at West Point, so she was going through to be an officer. So, you know, she has leadership and West Point is very hard to get into. She was top of the class and then she got quite literally out, you know, outed. Yeah. And she she has a similar killing rule to that of Wonder Woman, and I really hate the new 52 for kind of turning Wonder Woman into, like, the frigid, murdery ice queen, because that's not who she is. Um, um, I wish I would have kept up with the Wonder Woman where she was in Asgard, because she they kind of went away from that a little bit, where she was a bit loving. She found someone, she found an Asgardian that she really, like, fell for, but he was also one of those guys who was just like, I'm not going to stop you from being who you yeah. are. I'm just here to make, I'm just here to do whatever I can. It very much set, seemed like have you played Horizon? No. It, it very it seems it, well, I can't make the reference, but it very much seems like someone who just like he was a sidekick and he knew it. Yeah. And I like that idea of it. But I can also understand like because let's be honest, if Wonder Woman wants to kill you, there is not a fucking thing you can do about it. There are No. There are uh, Physically, there may be two people who could beat Wonder Woman in a fight. It's canonically, uh, canonically, it's just Superman. I don't, I don't put him on the list. It's Immortal yeah. Hulk and World War Hulk. Those are the only two people yeah. who can beat Wonder Woman in a in an actual like in an actual physical fight. The only two people who can beat her because. But I mean, within the DC universe, I think canonically, uh, Superman is the only person who is stronger than she is. And I always say there are two people that actually have the ability to, I mean, you know, Superman is basically a god. Let's be honest here. Mm -hmm. um, he has crazy cosmic-like powers. And, you know, could Wonder Woman beat him, you know, bare knuckle boxing? No. Can she disable him long enough for him to be taken down by other? Absolutely. But I think the team that could absolutely take down Superman are Wonder Woman and Supergirl. Um, if I, 
I this is gonna sound funny coming from ahead from from me like from a male. I don't think Superman stands a chance in hell in the actual fight no. because Wonder Woman can actually fight, and that's the, oh yeah, that's the thing about that is it's like if Wonder Sup- go ahead. Superman can't break the lasso, and we've seen that time and again. Yeah, so if she want if she wanted to defeat him, then like sure he's fast, but the only thing the, the thing about speed is that we've seen speed and teleportation. Something we've seen time and time again is eventually a smart fighter will find out where they're going to go next. Yeah. And his his laser eyes aren't going to affect him like it would Bruce because she has yeah. the um the bands. I don't think Bruce, I don't think Superman stands a chance in hell in a fight against Wonder Woman. Like if you put them like let's I always use this as an example because like you know you change the scenery things become different, but you put them in a in a dome. Superman loses. Because Wonder yeah, Woman yeah. is the superior fighter, she may not be as strong as him, but if she wraps her, if she like wraps her like arms around him and then wraps her legs around him, there's nothing Superman can do. He'll yeah. she'll snap his neck like Bruce um, did in um like oh, not Bruce <laughs> like um she'll, like Clark did in uh, Man of Steel. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything he can do about that. One of the most dynamic Superman Wonder Woman moments is um, actually the confrontation with Maxwell Lord. And Maxwell Lord has complete psychological domination of Superman. Everyone Superman sees is doomsday. And Superman is in a state where he's reactionary. So everyone and everything is just multiple doomsdays. And he will destroy the world. And, you know, Wonder Woman has Maxwell Lord tied up in the lasso. She took, she, she took off her tiara, chucked it at him. It's, it's part of Superman's throat. So he's holding his throat because the tiara was able to cut through his skin. And she looks at Maxwell Lord and says, how do I stop you? How do I free him? This is kills me. And cold as she is, she snapped his neck. And that is actually a move I support. Because what sets Wonder Woman apart from the Trinity is that she makes the tough calls so Batman and Superman can keep the morality in check. It's very much like the... Uh... The whole the I always call always call it the Trinity when it comes to like with DC it's Batman Superman Wonder Woman with Marvel well with the Avengers it's Captain America Iron Man and Thor and for the for those for that Trinity it's Thor because Thor will, will always be that one who's just like I will kill this person so you guys yeah. don't have to and that no. moment where he did that it's like that's the other thing the magic um aspect of it she's mm-hmm. not like for her this is why when someone goes oh Superman can beat Thor I'm like. Thor's whole chemistry is magic. <laughs> no, yeah. he, no, he can't beat Thor. Hey, okay, we're, we're sidetracked. Uh, number yeah. 54, we have Kamala Khan. I think this is a good spot for her. Um, new characters, particularly new teen characters, seldom take off. But G. Willow Wilson wrote such a groundbreaking and genuinely endearing character that I have, I'm always really excited to see what uh, Kamala is going to do next, but I, I think she suffers from something I like to call the Greg Braca problem, <laughs> where the initial writer is so good at writing a character. Well, this it's actually I call it the Gail Simone effect. I'm, the Rucka problem is something else, but no, I call it the Gail Simone effect, where the initial writer or the writer that brings it to the modern day is so good and so effective that nothing lives up to it. The archetypal example I use is Birds of Prey and Secret Six. 
Now, she is not the first writer for most of them, but in the modern teams, she writes them so well that they are the standard. And those run, like, it's constantly compared to those those books and everything falls underneath. It makes far more sense in my head. Yeah. But um, I think, I think Kamala, uh, Kamala um, suffers a lot from that problem where I don't know if anything will be as good as G. Willow Wilson's original run. It won't. But, but she is a character who genuinely believes everything she's trying to do. Number 53, we have Jessica Cruz. Love her. Um, love her, love her, love her. Is she too high, too low? Athlete? I think this I think this is a good spot for her, considering like uh um Kamala, considering her newness. Okay. And I'm sorry, Ethan Van Skyver, you did not create the character, you drew a hand. Um <laughs> He, he tries to prop himself up as the co-creator, and in the very most technical of terms, he is part of her creation, but he drew a fucking hand. Who's writing, um, who's writing Saga right now? Um, I can never remember the person. Um, it's uh, Brian K. Vaughn. But I also love that whenever whenever it's like, who created Brian, whoever who created Saga, it's not just Brian K. Vaughn. It's, it's Brian. And Fiona Staples. Yeah. Oh, my God. And she deserves all the props in the world for creating and drawing these different fucking beings and none oh, of yeah. them look the same. Okay, all right, sorry, sorry, sidetrack. Side, side I've always gosh. said that <laughs> I would subscribe to travel pamphlets if Fiona Staples did even just the cover art for them. Yeah. Uh, number 52, we have, um, actually, you know, this is actually my favorite villain of all time, uh, Norman Osborn. He's hands down my favorite. Not the Green Goblin. And I actually made a point to this. And I go, Norman Osborn may be well known as the Green Goblin, but the Goblin isn't as dangerous as Norman. As Norman. Norman is a genius and surprisingly good leader. If not for his crazy, the Dark Reign would have lasted a lot longer. Let's look at some of Norman's accomplishments. He was smart enough to use his tech and not Tony Stark's. This made it impossible for the Skrulls to corrupt the Thunderbolt Mountain. He intercepted the information needed to kill the Skrull Queen and became the head of the U.S. security. Led a team of Avengers that were clearly insane. Despite their flaws, they were a good team that Norman that Norman held together. Sure, the Green Goblin is more popular, but Norman is but um, excuse me, but Osborn is a scary one. I like Norman Osborn because unfortunately DC is my wheelhouse. It is my home. I am a diehard DC fan. So I will always draw the comparisons. But Norman Osborn is on the same level as Lex Luthor, but clinically insane. Oh, yeah. He, oh, he is yeah. a clinically insane Lex Luthor, and that insanity is so well weaved with his character that it creates this terrifying effect, like everything you just wrote. Uh, number 51, uh, we have Miles Morales. I have a soft spot for him. I think, and I think I may have wrote this, but um, uh, da, 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 um, da, 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 the only thing that, only thing Miles and Peter have in common is their need to help others. However, they do differ in that, too. Miles spends a lot of his time looking to help people in communities that need his help the most. He sees things differently because of how and where he's raised. It gives him a different perspective on being a hero. In another decade or so, Miles will be number one on this list. Yeah. I I think, you know, Miles runs into kind of the Wally West Barry Allen problem is that people are so emotionally attached to Peter. But Miles do you know what? You know Shit. what? You know what separates the two of them, and this is going to sound fucked up, and it, but it's also true. 
Miles is Miles is black and Puerto Rican. Yeah, he's yeah. black Spider Man, and I I hate to put it that way, but you know, like I said earlier, the bulk of the direct market is still middle aged, you know, white men. Yeah, and it's funny. And I hate I I think we've had this conversation on Twitter, but I hate the people who go Miles Morales isn't Spider Man, Laura Kinney isn't Wolverine. Yes, they are. <laughs> like it's it's literally like I want to point to the books and go. All new Wolverine, oh, Spider Man, like. And I love that um, Jonathan Hickman wrote in one of his books where someone was yes. like, uh, "Laura Kinney, you're kind of like Wolverine." And she goes, "No, I am Wolverine. I am Wolverine." And, and he's then, like, "Good then, on you, kid." Yes, and that was my favorite part about Logan was like, he's like, like basically was like approving, like he's fucking Wolverine. When Wolverine approves it, guess what? It's true. Oh yeah, Spider Man approves Miles being Spider Man, so it's true. Um, it's in fucking Miss Marvel. Like, let's be honest, like, Captain Marvel, like, in a, and you know what's funny? In 10 years, I wouldn't be shocked if Kamala Khan was Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. I will say this, between Jessica Jones and Miles Morales, maybe Ben just should just stop now. Like, um, I haven't read the new Naomi yet. The, uh, Naomi, the I was working it's... in a comic book store the same time Riri Wilson launched. And, I think Riri is a fantastic character on paper, but the execution was a little sloppy because she was too perfect too quickly. I agree. I can agree with that sentiment specifically because the way you described it. Because initially I was going to disagree, but you actually made it a point to point um, to say something. She was too perfect too quickly. We like, yeah. and and like everybody, no matter what you're doing, you like your favorite characters that have flaws. My favorite character is Deadpool. Deadpool is filled with flaws, but for every flaw, yeah. there's another layer of goodness that goes around it. And I feel like Bendis almost lost sight of what made Miles relatable. Is that, you know, she has the tragic backstory, and, um, but, you know, she's smarter than Tony Stark, you know, she takes over Wakanda for a while, and it's just like, you know, it's, unfortunately for me, it's a Harper Rose situation where it's blatant favoritism of a pet character. I mean, Eve Ewing came in and she went, okay, I'm going to fix this. She put, you know, she, the building was on fire. She put it out with like a fire extinguisher and a pack of gum. Like the restoration she did with Riri was amazing. And Naomi, I feel like, honestly, it, you can tell David F. Walker did the heavy lifting there. But I feel like Naomi is the launch Riri should have had. So is it just a thing where just like anybody with the last name Ewing is just really good at what they do? <laughs> because one of one of the one of the perfect um, 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 comic book runs I think is Immortal Hulk. Oh yeah, written by Al Ewing. Uh, hell, <laughs> hell, uh, Al Ewing's Ultimates run was oh just God. Chef's Kiss perfection. Damn it, Wade! 